You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. And welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania podcast. Another impact review from the 15th of November 2018, the first of the Las Vegas tapings. Of I am joined, of course, by Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? Hello, hello. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, an interesting week of wrestling. <laughs> it certainly was. There was massive, massive ups, some interesting downs, Enzo yeah. Murray. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Overall, it's been a good, solid week of wrestling. Yeah. Um, apart from this Impact show, Garth. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit sort of uh, lacklustre. <laughs> I think lacklustre is a fantastic word for it. It was... I said to you very, very briefly that there was five matches on this card, um, yeah. two of which didn't go above four minutes. <laughs> um, but... Not one of these matches was memorable. Um, no. Even the main event, which I was so looking forward to, just was so flat. Yeah. And it was just yeah. It was just a plot point. Yeah. Everything. None of the matches mattered. It was the bits that followed afterwards. Mm. And nowhere is this more apparent than the very, very first match. Yeah. Um, Tessa Blanchard comes out. Um, before we start with this match, how cool were the new impact graphics? I like that, yeah. yeah like all the red stuff and like neon. Yeah, it looked really yeah, it cool. cool. I noticed a few of the sort of um, a few of the talent had slightly different sort of logos or entrances as well. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, you've got Don Callis playing with chips, which I thought was quite nice. <laughs> Yeah. And then you've got a lovely bit where he flicks one and Josh Matthews catches it later in the night. <laughs> and he, Tom Gallas seems genuinely surprised. Like, you can't catch. <laughs> um, which is quite nice. I thought that, you know, they all seemed quite relaxed. I liked the parquet wood flooring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought I that, that added, yeah. a, added a different vibe to it. Um, but overall, I, I like the way that they're sort of building Vegas anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this first match... Knockouts champion Tessa Blanchard taking on a jobber, uh, Ray yeah. Lynn. Um, standard fare. Totally. Yeah. I think it's easy. I think it's. Um, I think it's easy to say that this is. This set the scene for the rest of the show. Yeah, just getting getting Tessa over another win. Yeah, exactly. You want to try and make your champion look strong. Obviously, um, why sacrifice a woman on your knockouts roster when you can sacrifice a jobber? Um, Raylin got a relative amount of offense in, mm-hmm. um, but it was very much Tessa Blanche's match. Yeah, Tessa was hitting all the big moves like the she did a really good aim, like a sort of press slam. Yeah, she did. And like a buckle bomb like stuff like that. Yeah, she did. Yeah, they, <laughs> they did everything they could, Josh Matthews and Don Cowers, to avoid calling it a buckle bomb, which yeah. was quite. I think they called it a turnbuckle power slam. Yeah. Which was just, just call it a buckle bomb. That's what it is. Um, and yeah, eventually Tessa went over with the buzzsaw DDT. It was standard, you know, just over three minutes. I don't think yeah. we were expecting a world beater here. However, after the match, um, Tessa lays into Tay Valkyrie. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think we all knew was coming after Taya had called Tessa, you know, entitled. Um, she said, Tessa, this is, she said that Taya was living on the fact that she was Johnny's wife. Yeah. Um, and that basically she was the entitled one, which we said last <laughs> week, Garth. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Taya comes back down, starts to run down the ramp, uh, then stops, which I think was <laughs> a wise move due to the fact that she was wearing ridiculous heels. Yeah. Um, she comes into the ring, Tessa runs away. Uh, Taya stands in the ring saying, I'm proud to be Johnny's wife. Um, basically says, if you think you're the best, 
you're going to prove it at homecoming because I've spoken to the people backstage and we are having another match at homecoming. Yeah. Opinion, Garth? Um, well, I mean, the matches have got better since that Bound for Glory match. Um, I mean, they, they both can go and, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to watch another one of their matches and the only problem is I've got a funny feeling that Tessa Blanche is going to drop the belt. Yeah. Um, I really don't want her to, like yeah. ever, um, because I just think she's brilliant. She's mm-hmm. really, really fantastic, and I think she's a good flagpole for that division. I'd love her to have a run like what AJ Styles is having now, or like CM Punk did. Yeah, keep exactly. it for like a full year. Yeah, it'll be you know just build the knockouts division around her. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the problem I have with Taya, I mean. Yes, she's a fantastic wrestler. Yes, she's lucha royalty. And, um, you know, she's got a fantastic background in wrestling. But I just... She appeared from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it just demanded a title match. And I don't know. Yes, they're doing a good job of progressively building heat to this feud. And they did a fantastic job where literally Tessa had to cheat to win. But I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just... I'm, I don't... I'm not feeling Tyre as a champion, and maybe maybe that'll change by homecoming. Yeah, I hope it does, but I don't know, Garth. I don't know. I don't know. No, same. We then cut to Falabar and KM backstage, um, who continue to sort of fawn over themselves about how Taya Valkyrie, uh, sorry, not Taya Valkyrie, got Taya Valkyrie on the mind now. Apparently, mm-hmm. how Scarlet Bordeaux has changed their fortunes for the better, despite the fact that you know. She hasn't. They lost. <laughs> exactly, they lost repeatedly. Um, but KM says he's managed to fight um, backstage and get a match against LAX. And Falabar's very excited. He goes, bah! And KM says, no, no, it's not It's not for the tag titles. It's a non-title match. And Falabar seems <laughs> extremely disappointed. But yeah. <laughs> they seem to be under the proviso that if they beat LAX, then they will get a future tag team title shot. So there is something on the line here, Garth. Mm. Um, and it was a mercifully short backstage segment. Yeah, thankfully. Which is more than can be said for the absolute shit drizzle we got next. <laughs> what? What? What is it? Who are they? Um, so the Rascals, who are a tag team or a faction on the indie scene, um, are coming to Impact in two weeks. Um and from what I've heard, I've not seen a lot of their stuff, but from what I've heard, they are an exciting tag team and Lord knows that Impact need to bolster their bloody tag team division. Yeah. Um but this introduction was how can I put it nicely? Um fucking <laughs> awful. This was shit. Basically, <laughs> they had the three of them, Desmond Xavier, Trey Miguel, Zachary Wentz, they had them in a circle reminiscent of that 70s show. And yeah. they were doing the whole pot-smoking parody thing where they cut round to each one. But I don't understand why, Garth. No, I've literally, on my notes, I've just got written rascals and then question mark, question mark. <laughs> I just... I, I, I don't... I get... I mean, I get it to tease, obviously, because for those who don't know who they are, it's... These guys are coming, find out more. So they're going to tell us more next week before they actually come. Yeah. But I was just left just totally scratching my head. (laughs) The laugh track was awful. Yeah. And the the laugh track was set to bits that weren't funny. Mm -hmm. I, I just... I remember watching it and just going, oh, what? <laughs> what? These, what? And you've plastered all over social media for impact at the moment on Facebook, on Twitter, on their Instagram, is that the rascals are coming. And I was quite excited at this prospect. But honestly, they just look like stone teenagers. Yeah. I think I they're trying to play on, um, play on the whole um, brawl thing again. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know, Garth. I'm a little bit confused. 
Um, hopefully, better things are to come. And like I've said, I've heard great things about the Rascals on the indie scene, and I've heard that they really can go in the ring. Mm-hmm. But this was this was not a good way to introduce them. It was yeah. it was weird, like really weird. And it wasn't even the worst skit of the night. Oh no. Oh no, we've got so many poor backstage skits to talk about, Garth. It's going to be quite fun. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I know that we are sounding quite negative, but this show was so slow-paced. Even yeah. the in-ring action, which usually me and Garth will usually say, yeah, that was a really good opening bout. You know, there was a really good main event. There, there was There was nothing that exceeded above. No, that was okay. I mean, if I'm honest, I think the next match possibly my favourite. Yeah, I would say this was better than both of the singles matches that closed out the show. Yeah. Because I'm not counting the Sue Young match. I I would argue that this was the best match of the night. And when it's a match that includes Falabar and KM, you've really got to worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, we next had a tag team match, a non-title match between the tag team champions of LAX taking on Falabar and KM. Genuinely, and I know you and Chris both laugh at me about my love for Falabar, I thought Falabar held his own in this match. I do, I, th- I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed this match. I thought it. I thought there was the right level of comedy mixed with actual wrestling skill. Um, and I thought, yeah, it's a good nugget of wrestling. Didn't go mm-hmm. too long wasn't a squash match. The only thing I hate about Falabar, well, it's not the only thing, the Scarlet Bordeaux thing is utterly shambolic, but from their moveset, I hate the steamroller. Yeah, it's, it's... I think it's... It's funny, but then when KM does it, that's that's not funny. Because why is he doing it? He doesn't have the, the weight or anything like that. It's, Size. Yeah. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's a stupid, stupid move. But then Falabar does does this sort of rolling back kick from outside of the ring later. Yeah, he's an athletic man. Yeah. And genuinely, I love him. I think he's ace. I thought the opening exchange between Santana and Barr, where they were doing, you know, the whole trying to lock up and Santa Ortiz on the outside telling Santana to take him off his damn feet already, which was quite funny. (laughs) Because every time he just bounced off bar, which you know, it was little things like that. I thought these two had really good chemistry together. Yeah, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Eventually, LAX got the upper hand, as we you know, as we expected them to do, and they won with a sort of a double team lion salt, which I thought was quite cool. Um, mm. Very good finish, very good match, um, and Falabar genuinely is probably the best thing about this show. <laughs> yeah, definitely one of Yeah, which is depressing when you think about who is on the impact roster, but nevertheless. Certainly not the next part. No. Um so before we get to the fucking weird <laughs> segment of the show, um we get Sue Young's opponent for tonight, um Heather Munro, talking about how confident she is she is going to beat Sue Young, uh, being interviewed by Mackenzie, Kira Hogan comes into shot and basically warns her off fighting Sue Young in the most monotone, uninterested voice I've ever heard. She's not good at promos. She's not. The thing she was going for, I assume, was, I just lost my best friend. I'm so sad. Mm -hmm. But what it came across as is... I've just lost my best friend. I'm bored. <laughs> Which is what a way to get an angle over. But you're right. Kira Hogan, though she has massively improved in the ring, I think both of us can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Her, her promo skills have not improved. No, not like at, at all. all. She's still that very was, wooden. It was so, yeah, it was, oh, it was so bad. Yeah, it was... I like the fact that they are... Again, building Sue Young as a genuine threat because me mm-hmm. and you were concerned that she was just being beaten from pillar to post yeah. in the lead up to Bound for Glory. Um, but here she seems to be finally sort of being built up. 
um, which is good, even if it is, you know, at the behest of a very, very wooden Kira Hogan. <laughs> but that's nothing to this, is it, Garth? Oh, Jesus Fuck Christ. me. <laughs> what is this utter bollocks? It's our favourite person. Scarlet Bordeaux's in the car park. Yeah. And in the car park? In a car park. Don't know why she's in a car park. She's walking through the car park. Two men come and sort of fight over her, which is okay, whatever. She then takes the rather rotund one by the hair, says, don't I know you from somewhere? And <laughs> says, come with me, and leads him off by his hair. <laughs> And then just... this leads into, without a shadow of a doubt, the worst backstage segment I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> and we'll get on to that in a minute. I'm... I hate being negative on these reviews because genuinely Impact is a really good product to watch. It really is. And this show, I think, was just a very it was a very poor show. Yes. For me, anyway. I didn't One enjoy off, yeah. watching this, this show. I found it a chore to get through. And when it's only an hour and a half, that's not good. But this stuff with Scarlet Bordeaux, it's not going anywhere. It's not. It's not good. It's not compelling. It's it's literally just week to week. What are we doing? It, oh, well, let's just put her on the screen. She, the problem is as well, and again, I've seen her in the ring. She's fantastic in the ring. She can do a Canadian fucking destroyer. <laughs> but her acting is just atrocious. Yeah. She's got just, no expression in her voice. You just don't... You, you, she's, you can tell she's just not feeling the character. She's not in there. She's not. She's just going through the motions. It's, just, it's, it's a terrible thing to watch. I can't yeah. see how this angle is going to be good at all, and I just want it to end. <laughs> like, the videos weren't even mentioned today. No, the videos not were not even mentioned this episode. The talent search... Was not mentioned. I swear to God, if they like can it after all we've had to sit through with it, I'll be fucking livid. Because <laughs> honestly, I'll be over the moon. <laughs> this is it's bullshit. Is what it's it is. Totally, it's just uh, it's easily the worst thing about all of the impact. The whole of impact is the worst since thing. we've started watching. Yeah, one hundred percent because it makes no sense. You know, if she was a heel and she'd been in the ring and, you know, there was actually a storyline attached to it, I could buy into it. Yeah, why not? There was bits about the Eli Drake stuff this week that I actually enjoyed. Yeah. But, I don't know. I just I don't find her a compelling character, like you say. I don't find this storyline compelling. I just feel, feel like she's shoehorned into shows. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a... A horrible juxtaposition of things. Anyway, let's stop ragging on Scarlet Bordeaux. <laughs> the next another... bit was good. Pardon? The next bit was fun. The next bit was fun, and we have got another Scarlet Bordeaux section later on in the show, so I suppose I should save up some of my swear words <laughs> for that section, because that's even worse. Um, Yeah, the next bit was really, really good, and I am very much looking forward to what is inevitably going to come. So, yeah. LAX make it to their clubhouse uh, on the back of the Falabar and KM match. Um, I enjoyed the fact that Ortiz is making fun of Santana for bar out wrestling him. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I've got a spanner here for you to unlock your knees. Yeah. Um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, they talk about how the OGs have been non-existent since they beat them. Um, and since, sorry, Phoenix and Pentagon beat them at um, Final Hour. And... Conan says they'll never see them again. Yeah. What a way to bury a tag team. I was, I was just going to say, that's like, that's a line drawn underneath that then. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, Homicide and uh, Hernandez. Bye-bye. You're out. <laughs> I assume I assume they're going to come back. Th- yeah. There's no way that can be it, surely. Is nah, it? I, I, I've got, I don't know, I think I've got a, a sneaky suspicion King will be back at some point. King's got to come back, surely. Fair enough if Hernandez and Homicide aren't. They're very old now. But, I mean, come on. As a manager, King's probably. I don't know. See, because what happens at the end of this bit here 
where they say, right, we're going to offer up a title shot to the Lucha Brothers. And then Conan says no. And they look all a bit pissed off. Yeah. I don't know. I can smell a turn. I can smell a heel turn. From LAX. Yeah. On Conan. Yeah. So you With think... Kings. I think King somewhere in the background. So what you think we're going to get at homecoming is King managing LAX against Conan ma- managing the Lucha Brothers. I don't know if at homecoming it'll be, but I, even maybe at homecoming they get the match with Lucha Brothers and then they do the turn during the match or something like that. Interesting. I think you're absolutely spot on. I don't think we are done seeing King. I really, really hope we're not. Um, I think the seeds are being planted for Santana and Ortiz to turn on Conan. Yeah. Because especially after they said, but why not? Why not? And Conan just says, I've never steered you wrong, have I? And then walks off without giving an explanation. There's something there. I agree. And hopefully, you know, I hope this could be be a slow build. Yeah, I like that. Slow build it to Slammiversary. Next year, that'd be great. You know, I really enjoy this. If this is a prospect of LAX taking on Pentagon and Phoenix, I am happy. If it happens at Homecoming, if it happens at uh, Slammiversary, that's a match that will steal any show. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of LAX, we got our Global Wrestling Network flashback of the week, Garth. <laughs> and do you know what? I actually watched it. Did you? I did, because it's OVE and I love OVE. I, I sort of skipped through it, but I saw the insane... Sort of stunt. Which one? In the match by Homicide. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, Well, so basically, this is all to do with Sammy Callahan's debut with OVE um, at Bound for Glory 2016. I think so. I want to say. Um, And there's a, yeah, there's a couple of ridiculous spots. Um, There's one where uh, Ortiz sort of power bombs someone off the stage through a table. Yeah. Uh, Santana frog splashes from the top of the lighting rig. That's what I meant for Santana not pretty homicide. Oh right. <laughs> and then there was there was a there's no protected chair shots, all of them to the head, no protection. Yeah. Jake Chris takes the chair shot of his life. Just unbelievably hard mm. chair shot. And there's a bit where Jake Christ goes for a superplex off one of the ring posts through some chairs and overshoots it. So he ends up going through the chairs, not yeah. Ortiz. <laughs> it's it's a brutal looking match. Um, and I would quite like to see OVE back in that title picture soon. Yeah. Because mean. I think a Christ Brothers taking on LAX feud would also be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we then get Seidel backstage... Talking, talking up his match with uh, Johnny Impact later on. Nothing to see here, really. It's nah. cut and paste, third eye bullshit. Um, and that match is coming up later on. But we then follow it up with <sighs> the Desi Hit Squad. What are they doing with them, Garth? I don't know, because as soon as you thought they were sort of pushing them up, to just do this stupid shit. I. They don't do comedy well as a team. Those nah. three. There's they shouldn't no, be doing comedy. No, there's no. There's no chemistry between them at all. The entire, the entire backstage skit felt forced. Yeah. Basically, the three of them are poolside on some sunbeds explaining that Indian food is the best food ever. And then Rohit Raju is talking about how Thanksgiving's coming up and how we can't wait for the turkey and all this. Garma Singh takes, for some strange reason, takes issue with this, despite the fact that he lives in America um, (laughs) and starts to say about Americans being fat and don't pay the taxes and, you know, the typical heel spiel um, and said that they're going to ruin Thanksgiving next week. Now, I don't know about you, Garth. If you want heat on a tag team, you don't put them on sun loungers. <laughs> unless you're uh, Rizzo Ramon. Unless you're, unless you're carrying to can pull it off. And I'm sorry, yeah. these three men collectively cannot pull it off. No. Nah. 
They should just be having matches. They, they shouldn't just be Put, having matches. They let them win. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? Build them like the authors of pain in NXT. Okay. Just come down, destroy some shit, leave. Don't talk. Don't talk. You, if you want to use Garma Singh as a mouthpiece, use him as a mouthpiece, but stop it with yeah. this comedy bullshit. Don't have him fucking interacting with Scarlet Bordeaux. Don't have them <laughs> chilling poolside. What the fuck is that? And don't have Garma Singh doing this horrible, just typical foreign, 1970s foreign heel spiel. Yeah. Because I'm sorry... The thing they do worst is talking, and it's the talking and the stupid skits and the poor booking that has ruined this team. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, I don't give a shit if they turn up to Thanksgiving next week. It's going to be absolute rubbish. Yeah. It sounds like a bit of a shit show anyway, uh, Thanksgiving. Wow. The turkey suit match is back. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. (laughs) Anyway... Eli Drake comes down to the ring next. Now, for those of you who've listened to the podcast, you will know that me and Garth love Eli Drake and think that he has been criminally, criminally, criminally underused. This whole lawsuit um, bollocks to get Joseph Park and Abyss out and sort of calling out people who have glorified death matches um, has been long drawn out and bit a, been a bit pointless, really, especially as it's lasted, again, Probably since Slammiversary. Yeah. Um, big totally cut short, hasn't it? It has. It seems that they went with one direction, realised it wasn't going to work, and then they've sort of gone in a completely different direction. This direction is better. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this bit. Yeah. I enjoyed this segment. Um, Eli Drake comes down, says, you know, says that he's the last of a dying breed. Um, says that we, as an audience watching wrestling, which to be fair, he does have a point. We only pop for ridiculously hardcore and ridiculously flashy spots. Yeah. And he says that the only weapon he needs is his mouth, because words that come out of here are worse than any lighting tube. Which <laughs> I thought was quite a nice way to end it. He runs down Abyss, um, calling him washed up, and basically calls out all hardcore wrestlers. At this point, it was obvious someone was going to turn up. Yeah. Um. And turn up, someone did. Tommy Dreamer arrived. Um, the first Tom- bit of this was absolutely fantastic because I, I thought that the, the whole, I thought his whole sort of promo was class. Like yeah. it's one of the best Tommy Dreamer promos. This whole interchange between the two of them was brilliant. It was really, really good. Uh, Tommy Dreamer gets into the ring. Eli Drake runs him down, points at him. And Tommy Dreamer, calm as anything, just says, if you put that finger in my face again, I will bite it off. <laughs> and it was just, that is fucking gold. I love that. Um, I loving it. Which the crowd started chanting, bite it off, bite it off, <laughs> which Tommy Dreamer smiled at. Um, he calls Drake a skinny jean-wearing millennial, <laughs> uh, which, again, he was, to be fair, and says that it's hardcore wrestling that bought out the best in wrestlers. And he said, it's not just about hitting people with chairs. It's not just about putting people through tables. It's about the work ethic of wrestlers. And he said, there are people in the back with limps and scars to show how much they love this business. And he gives out um, particular praise to Conan and says, yeah. without Conan and his, you know, Lucha revolution, you know, we'd have no Eddie Guerrero. We'd have no Ray Phoenix. We'd have Ray, no Ray Mysterio. And we'd have no Pentagon. And... Dreamer says that, you know, he calls out Sabu, puts over Sabu and the way that he reinvented wrestling and even even calls out Mick Foley and says, look mm-hmm. at the stuff Mick Foley and Abyss have done. And he says we should be thanking them for the sacrifices they've made. And he's got a point. He's oh, yeah, definitely. 100% got a point. And this, you know, at this point you can see how impassioned and how much he believed in what he was saying. And what was quite nice was, if you compare this, and I know they're completely different, but if you compare this with Kira Hogan's promo earlier on in the show, you can yeah. see Tommy Dreamer fully believing what he's saying and Kira Hogan not giving a shit. Well, I was watching Tommy Dreamer's promo and I was thinking, imagine if WWE let their people do that. Yeah. Just come out, give them some pointers and say, right, just, just go from the hip, just shoot from the hip. And just go with it. 
imagine how much more invested you would be and how much how much they could more like portray the feeling yeah yeah Cause Tommy Dreamer at one point looks like he's going to start he's going to start screaming yeah yeah and they both brought out the best in each other in this promo and this mm-hmm. hopefully this leads to do you know what I'd love to see? Genuinely, I would love to see Eli Dre make it his mission to get rid of these hardcore legends. So he has one match against Tommy Dreamer, he has one match yeah. against Mick Foley, he has one match against Sabu, and literally just destroys them and wipes them out like a hitman. And just yeah. taking out these hardcore legends until eventually he gets to Abyss. And you know what? Let him take out Abyss. Abyss yeah. doesn't need the victory. No. You know, he's he's had his legacies in the Hall of Fame and, you know, fully deserves it. So just let him beat him. And then just build up and let him take and go on this like manic thing and at least it gives him something to do it gives him a match exactly it gives him a match it gives him something it gives him a purpose and it seems like it's a purpose that he you know he enjoys because this promo was really solid Um, in the end Eli Drake's had enough Um, he says that you know on your best day Tommy you've never beat me on my worst day Dreamers had enough he said do you know what I was never very good at talking but I am good at fighting, so let's do this, which is quite nice. Um, and Eli Drake obviously runs away. I'm glad they've dropped that lawsuit shit. Yeah. Um, and especially if it's not going in the way that we thought it would, where they were going to actually own Impact, which would have been quite fun. Yeah. But if this is the way it's going to go, I'm happy with this direction because yeah. ultimately. And- at least he's got something to do. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'll tell you what. Was, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I really like uh, Eli Drake's new t-shirt. <laughs> his t-shirt was good. Sorry, I was drinking at the time. That's got straight up my nose. Um, yeah, his t-shirt is good. Um, like, of all the all the t-shirts on the TNA, on the, oh, it's a TNA, on the Impact wow. uh, sort of thing, Eli Drake's was pretty cool. Yeah, Eli Drake's is pretty good. Um, but yeah, just overall, good segment. Don't get me wrong, Eli Drake should still be in the title picture. And if he's not should in the be... title picture, I just feel like it's going to be wasted. But at least yeah. this is something to do. And he's not doing that stupid open challenge anyway. Yeah. Um, we then get your boy, your boy <laughs> Moose. Money Moose. Who's uh, backstage with a hoe. Um <laughs> Or was it with a skank? I can't remember what Alicia called it, but Alicia Edwards comes backstage, says, Eddie is looking for you, you need to leave. Uh, Moose says, I'm not going anywhere. Um, he's got priors. He could be it's arrested just... if he attacks me. Now, where the I was hell has that come from? I was laughing at off because it's just the fact he's, like, Moose is just deliberately sitting there being really slow and he's like, I could just call the cops. Yeah, if he's going to attack me, I'll call them. Do you know what? If any wrestler had done that, can you imagine the hardcore match at WrestleMania thirty at WrestleMania seventeen? Sorry, and Kane is about to chuck Raven through a wall, and Raven just goes, "No, no, no, stop! This is assault. I am going to call the police." <laughs> or any number of times that like Stone Cold's been arrested. Exactly, Stone Cold dropped a car onto a bus that contained people in it. Just. What? You know, the amount of times he did stuff to Vince McMahon. But anyway, Moose is like, I'll call the police. Where have these priors come from, Garth? <laughs> no They've idea. never been mentioned. <laughs> this feud's been going for like four or five weeks. Oh. Where the bloody hell has that come from? I don't know. I just thought Moose looked really funny. He did. He had like a, like a red sparkly shirt and a bow tie. Again, Garth, the word is resplendent, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous, that man. Money, money. Anyway, uh, oh, I don't want to talk about this bit because I'm only going to get across. Let's just get it over with quick. Three refs were backstage arguing about what was happening with Tessa Blanchard and saying, to be fair, it's an unsafe work environment. Their acting was better than Kira Hogan's. It was better than Scarlet Bordeaux's. And she walks in um, with the bloke that she'd got from the car park who'd now got Scarlet's private security written on his chest in pen. Um, and Scarlet attempts to be sexy with the referees. And run away. <laughs> the, the youngest one runs away. And to be fair, he does look about 12. But 
mate, please explain to me what the hell this was. For a start, Scarlet Bordeaux might have might as well have been wearing no nothing. Because there was literally no material. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was a I'm sure that's a I'm sure that's her match attire. She wrestles in that. I think so. Holy shit. I, I just... I, I, oh, God. I mean... It, 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 this made no sense. This It, it, it doesn't... completely just ruined the flow of the show because there was no... I, I don't understand it, Garth. No. I just, I think I just scanned past it. It was just like, it was on, but I wasn't really paying attention. I just, Scarlet can fuck off. She really can. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a sly against her, as the writing for her has been monstrous. And the yeah. character is awful. The entire talent search is awful. As just this, this segment, it just encapsulates exactly why I hate this storyline. It makes yeah. no sense. She can't act. She looks uncomfortable in the part. Why was she with the referees? Why has she dragged a random bloke out of a car park to become private security? What happened to the bloke she had at the start? Can you remember right at the start on her debut? Oh, yeah. What happened to him? He probably got sick. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. It's just... I, do you know what? I'm going to end it on a positive. The referee she was hitting on did look fairly stacked. Yeah. <laughs> so, well done, Mr. Referee. Then, let's move away from Scarlet Bordeaux shit. We've yes. then got a non-title match between the Impact World Champion Johnny Impact and Matt Seidel. Um, opinion, Garth? It was a... It was a, an alright match. It was... Yeah, there was there's a few good exchanges and um, there was a nice uh, sort of roundhouse kick to the head by Seidel, which sent Johnny Impact out the ring. Yes, I that saw was, that. That was, that was quite good. But I mean, and the sliding German that um, Johnny Impact's doing, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he did a corkscrew plancher off the, um, over the turnbuckle, not even over mm-hmm. the ring, but over the turnbuckle. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a, it was a decent match, but it was definitely definitely a case of just getting a match and then going through the motions at some point. Yeah, I don't think anyone at any point thought Matt Seidel was winning this. No, um, there was not. a lovely moment where uh, Matt Seidel had grabbed Johnny Impact on the outside, launched him into the barricade, and he spouted some of his third eye bollocks, and you heard one person in the crowd saying. Your third eye's blind. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! In reference is, to the band, I assume, but that good is grief! Good grief! <laughs> that was that. Oh God! Um. Anyway, Impact eventually wins with a Starship Pain, a Starship Pain that connected far better than his Starship Pain on uh, at Final Hour. Yeah. I still, I'm still not sold on the move, but there we are. It was a, it was a standard match, but. Where it needed to be good, it was good. Yeah, but it wasn't anything exciting. These two in a proper title match at a pay per view, I think they could have a like excellent match. Absolutely. But this was just let's go out there and have seven or eight minutes of just a decent match. This was there. I think it's the best way of describing it. It was there. Maybe it was just a way of getting Johnny and Pac in the ring for the. The aftermath. Yeah, and I think that was again the story of most of the matches. It was so that you know bits could happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, Killer Cross's music plays, and obviously Killer Cross comes down to the ring. He's had a bit of a change of heart. Yeah. Um, and he starts praising Johnny Impact as the better man won at final hour, and says that he's obviously not the hand for change. He says that, however, Johnny Impact. Is he says that now he's the world champion? People are going to be after him. He's got no friends, but he is his friend. But if he needs him, call him and he'll be there. Johnny Impact says no. 
basically. Um, turns down the offer, leaves the ring. Killer Cross looks absolutely livid. What? What was your opinion of this segment? Um, I initially thought he was trying to lure him in to maybe attack him or to try and get another match. To sort of say, oh look, yeah, you've done really, you beat me fair and square, blah, 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 let's do it again. Yeah. But has he just sort of dropped Moose? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... Or was it, I'm, I'm wondering if it was maybe the fact that that's his like, hometown crowd. So let him squat and have a face reaction. Have, yeah, have a bit of fun. I, I don't know. Because it wasn't even like a sort of normal, slow promo. He had a bit of a sort of, I don't know, like a lift to it. He had a bit of banter with the crowd, didn't he? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, he delivered it fantastically, as, you know, he always does. But to me, it just made him look pathetic. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's just a mind game thing or if he's just, like, you see, there's a change. It's a mind game thing. 100% fair enough. I don't mind that. If it's not a mind game thing and he was genuinely offering Johnny Impact his services, what? Your entire philosophy comes down after one match, does it? That's that's bullshit. I think it's some sort of trap or lure to, to get himself another shot. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Jordan Grace is now backstage. Uh, Katarina comes, uh, starts to try and give her compliments, which are horrifically backhanded. (laughs) Says that, um, you know, she could have beaten her on a different day. Grace accepts and says, right, we'll have a rematch in two weeks, then and walks off (laughs) with Katarina going, "Uh, uh, uh, uh," um, which is quite nice. So we're going to get this match again in about two weeks. Eddie then does attack Moose backstage. Um, there was a wonderful moment where Moose holds the phone up and goes, I'm going to call the police! <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and Ed just knocks the phone out of his hand. Uh, and dies Eddie's on just him. like screaming. Um, and some nurses arrive from absolutely nowhere to take him to what can only be described as a mental institution. Yeah. Uh, they inject him in the neck, um, sedate him, and you can, be hit, you can hear Alicia going, I'm sorry, Eddie, it's for your own good. I think it's quite good, this. I like it. It's, yeah, I've got no qualms about this. Bit weird, but, you know, what is this else is sort of, Is this, like, further descent into madness? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with this as a segment. I'm fine with the Moose and Eddie stuff continuing. Yeah. It's hopefully going to boil down to a very, very good match. I'm happy I wonder if I wonder if this is another one where it's going to be, like, a double turn. Where it's, Eddie starts being the one who's pursuing Moose and Moose is just like look I'm done now I want to move on and Eddie's been the sort of weirdo again like he did with Sammy Callahan yeah maybe maybe I'll be Moose becomes Moose, Moose becomes the the golden baby face <laughs> the golden baby face <laughs> oh god I don't want Moose's baby face he's too good as a heel <laughs> um, Sue Young squash match next Yep. Um, she gets an entrance. Poor Heather Monroe doesn't. Um, Sue Young beats Heather, Mo- Heather Monroe, uh, hits her with a panic switch, and finishes her off with a mandible claw. There's no point going into it in too much detail because, nope. again, it was not about the match. It was about what happened afterwards. Yeah. After the match, uh, Sue Young continues the beatdown. Kira Hogan makes the save in one of the most awkward saving segments ever because if you watch it carefully Kira Hogan attempts to fling um, Sue Young out of the ring but can't decide what which side of the ring to fling her so there's quite an awkward moment anyway she flings her out of the ring eventually when she's picked a side Um, when evil Ali arrives um, wearing rosemary face paint and basically being all emo Uh, or staring. Yeah, she doesn't say anything, she doesn't do anything, she just stares at Kira Hogan, comes into the ring, um, and Sue Young attacks from behind, hits a panic switch, and then Ali leaves with Sue Young. Opinion, Garth, on this? 
It's all right. It's just moving the story along a bit more. It's, um, I think it's good to see Ali come out and have a totally different look after what happened last week. Um, so it's obviously setting up a match with them, isn't it? And some, I'm guessing Rosemary's going to come back at some point. To bring her back to the light, do you think? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the case. Um, I'm happy with that. Should be um, um, Jim Mitchell in a cage match. <laughs> God. Oh, no. Um, do you know what? We moaned something rotten about Ali's direction with Sue Young stuff pre-Bound for Glory. Yeah. And this is something new. It's something fresh. It's a completely new direction. I'm happy with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, no offence to Ali, she's good in the ring, but the less I have to hear her talk, the better. Yeah. <laughs> um, we then had an X-Division title match uh, between the champion Brian Cage and the challenger Sammy Callahan. Now, I like this feud. I think the pairing of Sammy Callahan and Brian Cage is excellent. Yeah. Um, I think the build-up to this match has been great. So imagine my frustration when Brian Cage pretty much squashed Sammy Callahan, and yeah. this appears to have been blown off after one match. Yeah, because well, when you get to the end of the match, you sort of know why. Yeah, but I, I mean, the just the want to make Cage this sort of monster this unbeatable machine but why give Sammy Callahan the first no defeat idea. of Brian Cage for it then to be blown off in one match yeah that's what I don't understand and it's it's I don't think it's either of their best matches it was a good match solid match mm-hmm. but it could have been so much better yeah and I think there's one thing that did come on say there's one thing that really did piss us off why have an ad break in the middle of your main event? Why not have the ad break during the shitty skits? Five minutes the commercial mm-hmm. break was. We missed Why? five minutes of action. We so, basically, what's happened is post ad break, Sammy Callahan is on the floor and Kate hits a suplex on the floor, on the wooden floor. Post break, then, Sammy Callahan is in control. And hits an apron pile driver. So we've missed a complete section of the match. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. I don't understand that either. It just, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it disappointed me because I wanted so much more for this match. And it felt yeah. like an afterthought. Especially after the build we've had for it. Um, to, 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 to do it like that was just a bit... Uh... Yeah, disappointing. Yeah. Um, Brian Cage won with a powerbomb and then a drill claw um, after repeatedly fighting off the um, Christs and then the Christs being sent backstage. Um, But, again, (laughs) this doesn't seem to have been the point of the match, um, which is something that irritates me because if this was a vehicle to getting Brian Cage out into the ring to make this announcement, get him to beat someone that's not Sammy Callahan. Yeah. You know, miss this out and then have Sammy Callahan with the X Division title. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't understand. Anyway. Anyway, Brian Cage announces that he's cashing in the X Division title with option C and he's challenging for the world title at homecoming. Now this this I can get behind. Yeah, definitely. This I can one hundred percent get behind. I am up for this. Um homecoming. Johnny Impact world champion taking on Brian Cage. Yeah. I'm up for that. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be an excellent match. I genuinely think that could be an early match of the year candidate yeah. for Impact. So, is that, so does that mean we get a championship scramble or something? Well, what has been announced for next week? We've got the turkey suit bollocks <laughs> and the the what's the word I'm looking for? 
the future of the X Division title will be announced this coming right. week. Now, for me, are we going to see the X Division Cup? Yeah, something like that. Or maybe even the, what do you call it? Ultimate X match. I forgot what it's called. Ultimate X, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Do you know what? Just do a tournament. Just yeah. do a tournament. We all love us a tournament, and it gives us some singles matches that mean something. Give us a tournament. Who would you want holding that X Division title? Uh, Rich Swan, maybe. Do you know what? That was exactly who I was going <laughs> to say. I think they will put it on Rich Swan. Yeah. Um, I think you'd do really good with it. Yeah. Not just that, but they built him well as well. This whole thing mm. with Willie Mack, you know, hopefully they aren't going to drop him. I know he hasn't been on in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, put the tile on him, let him have some great matches against Willie Mack, against bring Taiji Ishimori back, PT Williams, mm-hmm. you know, have great matches against even Sammy Callahan or Phoenix, mm-hmm. Pentagon. Phoenix, yeah. You know, all of those people would have fantastic, fantastic matches. It sort of makes the, I mean, I mean, Brian Cage was had good matches, but it makes that title exciting again. Yeah, because at no point did it ever seem like Brian Cage was going to get pinned to lose that title. No, and I never. think it's good how they've done it by him cashing it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but and it keeps that belt looking strong. It keeps the belt strong as well. It does. It does. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Early prediction. Mm-hmm. Do you think Brian Cage takes the title off Johnny Impact? Maybe. I honestly don't know. Because they're obviously really hot on him. They are. Um, but they love Johnny Cage as the poster boy as well. They do love Johnny Impact as the poster boy. Um, Johnny Impact. <laughs> what did you call him? Johnny Cage? Johnny Cage. It's a good wrestling Keep that in the bank. <laughs> we'll use that. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how the match is built. Because yeah. they are gonna have to keep Brian Cage strong if he does lose if he does lose to Johnny Impact. Um, or does Killer Cross come into it somewhere? Maybe. Maybe. I mean Killer Cross is certainly gonna cost Johnny Impact at some point, whether it's in some mm-hmm. non title matches or whether it they do stretch it out until homecoming. It'll be extremely disappointing if that's the way Brian Cage gets the title. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, we had a tease for an LAX Lucha Brothers match, which we all want. Uh, we had confirmation of two matches for Homecoming with Brian Cage, Johnny Impact, and then Tay Valkyrie and Tessa Blanchard. If you put LAX versus the Lucha Brothers on that card, Jesus, that's a good, good card straight away. Yeah, yeah. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have time for on this episode of the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Garth, out of five, what would you give this show? Uh, two and a half. Yeah, sort of right down the middle. Two and a quarter, two and a half. I think it was an average show. It existed. I think yeah. that's probably the best way of describing it. Uh, did you agree, ladies and gentlemen? If you didn't, please talk to us on Twitter at, at Podmania or follow us on Facebook. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Garth, where can they find you? Uh, at Drummer Jackson. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on CastBox. Leave us a five-star review. It really, really helps out the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Uh, see you next week. <laughs>